Fantastic. Wonderful. Glad you're in the Lord's house. Wow, what an awesome, awesome day. And I think it's just going to get better. What do you think? (laughs) Come on. What do you think? Yeah? Yeah, you bet. Hey, I'm going to start a new series today, and I've entitled it Breaking Free. Uh, We're going to talk about how we can break free from the the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups that mess up our life. And I tell you what, every day I'm facing a different one, you know, a hurt, a habit, a hang-up that just just messes everything else in my life up. So this morning I want to begin by asking the question, how do I get God's power in my life? Because really, the the only thing that can change me inside and help me through these hurts and habits and hang-ups is the power of God. So how do I get the power of God to make life changes? Well, a verse we're going to look at is found in James chapter 4, and it's verse number 6. It gives us the answer right here, James 4, 6. James says, God resists the proud, or some translations use the word Oppose. God opposes the proud. But what does he do? He gives, help me with that word, he gives, he gives grace to the humble. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would give us grace today so that our lives can be changed. Dear Lord, I pray that everyone here would humble themselves before you. And I pray that we would have help in dealing with our I problem for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So this verse tells us that grace, the grace of God, is the power that we need to change. The Bible says that the key to that power is humility. Okay? Now follow me. The power to change your life is grace. It's God's grace. But in order for you to tap into the grace of God... You have got to humble yourself. It's humility. Now, the block in all of this, the thing that stops this from happening, this verse says, is pride. When I am full of pride, I can't change my life. When I humble myself before God, God gives me grace, and that grace is the power to change. Now, you all know that there are two different kinds of pride. In fact, the Bible tells us two kinds of pride. One is good pride, okay? And there's nothing wrong with this kind of pride. It's self-respect. It's it's dignity. It's satisfaction in a job well done. It is seeing other people succeed, and you're proud of them. That's good pride, okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's also bad pride in the Bible. And I think... You all know bad pride. It's being conceited. It's being arrogant. It's being egotistical. In fact, someone said that egotism is the only kind of disease that when you got it, it makes everybody else sick. Come on. That's got to be funny. And and it's true. That's the way it is. Uh, This past Sunday night, I was in our Sunday school class, and Brother Johnny taught the class, and he reminded me of one of my favorite stories about Muhammad Ali. Uh, Brother Johnny told this story to his kids in kids' church, and they didn't get it because none of them knew who Muhammad Ali was. Anybody remember Muhammad Ali? Yeah, greatest boxer maybe that ever lived. Uh, one day, Muhammad Ali was on an airplane, and the stewardess walked by, and she said, Sir, you need to buckle your seatbelt. And he said... Superman don't need no seatbelt. 
And she was quick thinking. She said, Superman don't need no airplane. <laughs> Buckle the belt, buddy. Huh? Yeah, there it is. Now, how many of you would say that you, you know somebody, you've, you've met somebody, you work with somebody who has an ego problem? Raise your hand. Do you know someone who is full of pride? Come on, leave it up. I want to see. Okay, the rest of y'all need to wake up because you know somebody. You, you know. On the other hand, don't raise your hand, but on the other hand, how many of you would say, I'm truly a humble person? <laughs> Let me tell you, pride is something that is easily seen in other people. We generally don't see it in ourselves. But, but I'm here to tell you the Bible says pride causes all kinds of problems in your life. And I want to start by talking about these problems that pride will cause in your life. Like number one, pride prevents me from growing. Pride keeps me from growing and becoming the person that God wants me to be. Someone said, when the head starts swelling, the mind stops growing. Now let me tell you, first service people, they were awake. They got this stuff, I mean. That's pretty funny, man, don't you think? And if you're sitting there right now and already have turned me off and said, dude, this is one sermon I don't need, you're the very one who needs this sermon, all right? Are you with me? Proverbs 26, 12, look at this verse. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? What's he talking about there? He's talking about a person who is, who is proud, who, who has an ego problem. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for this guy. What he's talking about here is the denial of pride. Pride that causes me to deny that I have any weaknesses in my life. It's like the guy who said, if I knew my faults, I would be glad to work on them. I just can't think of any. Huh? And that kind of attitude is an attitude of pride. And that kind of attitude is going to keep you from growing into the person God wants you to be. Proverbs 10, 17, he who keeps instruction is in the way of life. So if you keep God's instruction, if you obey the manual for life, you will continue to grow and become the person God wants you to be, and you will grow in the pathway of life. But he who refuses correction goes astray. In other words, pride keeps me from getting the help that I need. Isn't that true? Your marriage is in a mess. Husband and wife, you're not getting along with each other. You know there are problems, but you refuse to go and get help. You refuse to even sit down with your spouse and talk things through. Why? Because you're full of pride. Huh? You're having financial distress. There's not enough money to pay all the bills. You're up to your nose in debt. But you won't go and ask for help. Why? Because you're full of pride. When you're not cutting it as a parent, and when you're not making it at work, and you don't want anybody to know about it, that is nothing more than pride. Let me tell you, pride keeps us from growing. We would rather look smart than be smart. Are you with me? We'd rather fake everybody out and look smart rather than be smart. The way you be smart, the Bible says, is by being humble. One of the ways you can tell if you've got this pride problem is to ask yourself, am I teachable? 
Am I teachable? Why? Because pride prevents me from growing. Number two, pride poisons my relationships. The root of conflict and disharmony is pride. The Bible says in Proverbs 13.10, By pride comes nothing but strife. And when my pride is in conflict with your pride, there's going to be a collision. Right? There's going to be a crash. There's going to be conflict. The root of so many of your marriage problems is just plain old pride. I don't want to admit that you may be partially right. (laughs) Wow. The antidote to this, Matthew chapter 7 verse 5. I love this. This is uh, towards the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Here's what Jesus said. First, you need to remove the plank that is in your own eye. The plank that is causing you vision problems. And after you remove the plank, y'all know what a plank is, right? Big piece of wood. After you remove the plank that is in your own eye, then, and only then, will you be able to see clearly enough to remove the what? The speck that is in your brother's eye. So when I refuse to admit that I am part of the problem, then it causes pride in our human relationships. I'm here to tell you, so many family conflicts could be resolved, but we don't admit our pride. It's like the father who gets mad at his son, and they get in a yelling match, and the father says, get out of this house and never come back. And so what does the boy do? He gets out of the house and he never comes back. And the father lives with regret and remorse. And he wants his son to come back home. But I'm here to tell you, he will not admit his pride. He will not say that I'm sorry. And did you know that's one of the hardest things that we have to do? Is admit that we're wrong? Pride keeps us from doing that. Pride destroys relationships. The key to reconciliation, on the other hand, is simply to swallow your pride. Everybody say that with me. One, two, three. Swallow your pride. Go ahead. It's non-fattening. <laughs> non-fattening. And it's low in calories. Number three, pride produces stress and anxiety in my life. In fact, pride causes discouragement, depression, disillusionment. The remedy for that, Matthew 5, 5. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, happy are the humble." Humility is the mark of an emotionally healthy person. Pride is the mark of emotionally insecure people. If I have to prove something to you, it means that I am insecure on the inside. On the other hand, emotionally healthy people aren't really concerned about status or image or ego. They have found their satisfaction in someone else, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So bottom line right here, simply this. Pride causes all kinds of problems in your life. Let me say it like this. Pride will mess you up, man. But it's just where the devil wants you. So let me take this verse from Matthew 5.5 and transition into the next part of this sermon. Matthew 5.5, again, Jesus said, happy are the humble. So how do I become happy and humble? Well, it goes back to our original verse. Happiness 
and humility go together. Remember, the Bible says God gives grace to the humble. Grace is the power to change your life. And the way you get that grace is by being humble. And if you want to change anything in your life, that's where it starts. It starts with humility. For example, I become humble and happy when I admit my weaknesses, and I do that honestly. Proverbs 28, 13 is a great verse that that maybe you want to write down and go back and reference later today. It says, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes their sins, they will find mercy. That is, they will find that grace, and grace is the power to change your life. If I don't admit my weaknesses, I can't change my weaknesses. If I don't admit my sin, I can't change that kind of lifestyle. Now, some of you heard about the man who finally admitted to his wife, Honey, I'm, I'm guilty of the sin of vanity. And she said, you're guilty of the sin of vanity. What are you talking about? What do you mean you're guilty of the sin of vanity? He said, well, I am. Every time I pass in front of a mirror, I stop and look at myself, and I say, what a hunk. (laughs) Come on, people. You're killing me up here. She said, that's not a sin. That's just stupidity. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of you might pray, God, if I've sinned today, please forgive me. Trust me, you don't have to put that word if in there. Are you with me? Because we all have weaknesses. We we all have faults and failures. I read about this one guy who went to his pastor and said, Pastor, when I confess to God, I, I can't think of anything to confess. His pastor said, well, just start guessing. You're bound to hit on something sooner or later, you know? Humility starts by being honest about my weaknesses. Can I tell you something? Look at me. I don't have it all together. Your pastor is admitting that to you. I have weaknesses in my life. And I guarantee you, after 58 years of living, the devil knows exactly the chinks that I have in my armor. He knows my weaknesses. And guess what? That's where he comes to me for temptation. He knows my weaknesses and he knows your weaknesses. I don't have it all together and neither do you. So happiness and humility start when I admit my weaknesses. Number two, I evaluate my strengths realistically. I heard about this little girl who went to the ice cream parlor. And she ordered the biggest ice cream cone they had. It was a triple decker. Huge ice cream cone. And and the person behind the counter said, little girl, are you sure you can eat all this ice cream? And she said, oh, yes, I am much bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. (laughs) Pride is when we pretend to be much bigger on the outside than we really are on the inside. We try to be something or someone that we're not. Galatians chapter 6 verse 4 talks about this. Paul says, let each one examine his own work. Then he will have rejoicing in himself alone without comparing himself to anybody else. And here Paul is telling us, you know what? There's nothing wrong with having good 
pride, good self-image about yourself, having self-esteem, having satisfaction in life. You can take pride in a job well done. You can do that. You can look at your life and say, you know what? I did that pretty good. I'm proud of myself. I'm thankful for that. But here's the problem. He says, you don't compare yourself. That's the danger. Don't compare yourself with anybody else. Because you see, when we start comparing ourselves with other people, we run into two dangers. First danger is this. Most of the time when we compare ourselves with other people, we pick somebody that is less than what we are. Okay? Maybe less talented than we are, less, uh, not as smart as we are in a certain subject. And see, we will pick somebody that we know that we're better than. And what does that do? It boosts our ego. It fills us full of pride. That's not good. Or the second danger is this. We compare ourselves to somebody who is much better than we are, much stronger than we are, much smarter than we are. And the problem with that is when you compare yourself with somebody like that, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to become depressed. So the Bible says either way, it's going to kill you. So don't do it. Don't compare yourself. I don't like using this word from the pulpit, but the Bible says it's dumb to do that. (laughs) It's dumb to compare yourself with other people. Just stop doing it. Be you. I mean, God made you, you. So be yourself. Be the person God made you to be. So how do you be humble and happy? Number one, number one, I admit my weaknesses honestly. What you see is what you get. Number two, I evaluate my strengths realistically. Yeah, I'm good at some things, but I'm not good at everything. And when you start getting pride in your life, a good assignment is just to stop and sit down and start writing all the things down that you can't do. Because nobody is perfect. Galatians 6.4 that we read a while ago says that we are to examine ourselves in this. We are to test ourselves. You need regular self-evaluation where you're honest about your, your weaknesses and you're also realistic about the strengths that you have in your life. Number three, how do I become humble and happy? Well, I serve other people. And I serve other people unselfishly. Philippians chapter 2 Verse 3, Paul tells us about this. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but do it in humility. Consider others better than yourself. Look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. And then notice this verse. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Real humility Real humility is not thinking poorly about yourself. You know, I I don't know how I did this, but when I was a kid, I picked this up somehow or another that that if I was really a humble person, I would just look at myself as as trash, or I'd look at myself as junk, or I would look at myself as nothing. No, that's not what real humility is. It's just thinking more of other people than you do of yourself. You get the focus off of your needs off of your desires, off of your hurts and your wants, and you start focusing on other people and what they need. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. 
Humility is simply thinking less about yourself. You just don't think about yourself. Why? Because you're focusing on the needs of other people. And you're asking yourself, how can I help this person? What can I do for that person? And our model for this is Jesus Christ. Paul says, your attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ. So what was his attitude? Can you imagine Jesus riding down the streets of Jerusalem on his Camelac? With a bumper sticker that said, I'm number one. Can, can you imagine Jesus walking down the shores of the Sea of Galilee, kind of with some swagger, saying, I'm the man. I'm the man. J-E-S-U-S. I'm the man. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Jesus doing that? No, absolutely not. Jesus was the most emotionally healthy person who has ever lived. Why? Because he didn't have to prove anything to anybody. And because of that, it set him free to serve other people. I'm here to tell you, insecure people can't serve other people. Why? They're too worried about their own needs. Prideful people can't serve other people. Why? Because they don't care about anybody other than themselves. Jesus said, if you want true happiness, you learn to serve other people. So if you're going through depression or difficulty this morning, one of the things that, that you need to do is, is lighten up a little bit on all of this introspection and just look for somebody to help. You just start serving other people. Pre Preacher, I don't, I don't have an avenue to do that. We have one here at the church, food bank, every Monday. Or talk to Brother Johnny about going to the Hope Campus and, and feeding people who have real needs. Jesus is our example here. To be humble and happy, we need to serve other people. Amen. Then number four, to be happy, you've got to humble yourself. James 4.10. We started in James 4.6. Let's look at James 4.10. Humble yourselves before the Lord... And he will lift you up. Humility is a choice. I'm going to say that again. Humility is a choice. It's something that you decide to do. It's an action that you take. This word is a verb. It's something you do. You can search through the whole Bible. And not one time does it tell us to ask God to give us humility. No, here's what the word of God said. It says you humble yourself. You don't ask God to humble you. Why? Because God wants you to make the choice to humble yourself. It's something that you do to yourself. It's a way of choosing the way I act, the way I respond, the things that I say. It is a choice that we make. And when we make that choice, there is a promise that's coupled to it. If you humble yourself, God will do what? God's going to lift you up. Church, that, that is a paradox. God is saying the way up is down. The way up is down. The way I get close to God is by humbling myself. I humble myself before him. And as I humble myself and go to my knees, God is going to lift me up. The opposite is also true. 
He says, yes, the way up is down, but also the way down is up. What do I mean by that? Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. (laughs) Boy, we see that fleshed out every day on the political scene, don't we? Uh, We see see that coming every single day. A, A haughty spirit comes before a fall. The moment I start getting filled with pride is the moment I am setting myself up for destruction. The moment I think that I've got it all together and I pretend that I have all the answers is the day that I am setting myself up for a fall. So what does God want us to do? Humble ourselves. Humble ourselves before him. Now, I'm I'm about to land this plane, but you need to see this from a biblical perspective. Isaiah chapter 14 tells us that the reason the devil was booted out of heaven is because of pride. So what was the first sin ever created? What was the first sin ever fleshed out? Well, it, it happened in heaven, and it was the sin of pride. Augustine... The great theologian and church historian said, pride is the root sin. He meant it is the root from which every other sin grows out of our life. It is an independence that says, I don't need God in my life. I can do it all on my own. You know what God thinks about pride? Proverbs chapter 6 tells us there are seven things God hates. How many? Now, this is serious. Seven things God hates. And did you know that number one, the first thing on the list is pride? God hates pride. God can't stand pride. Why? Because it refuses his help. It says, you know what? I'm God. (laughs) I am the God of my life. And I don't need anybody, even God himself, telling me how to live my life. But you know what? You weren't made that way. And when you act like that, you're full of pride and you're cutting off God and his power from your life. Really, the worst thing about pride is that it cuts off, literally, it severs all of the wonderful things God wants to do for you and give to you. The Bible says this about salvation. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast or brag about it. Now, I want you to think about this. What if you got into heaven through your good works? Man, and you got to heaven and you started bragging about your Everybody would be bragging about their good works that got them into heaven. You know what? Heaven wouldn't be heaven anymore. It would be hell. Because all you would be doing is bragging about what you have done. God says, no, that's not the way it works. I hate pride. And the only way you can have a relationship with me is through my grace. The grace that I give through my son, Jesus Christ. And the only way you can have that grace in your life, get this, the only way is that you humble yourself before me. And you say, God, I can't do it on my own. I don't have all the answers. I need you. And when you humble yourself, that power comes into your life. 
It's the grace power. And it is power to change your life. Heavenly